0: This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. Oh, wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay Region, we finally arrived at the payoff from high school.
1: The Dow Chargers go back to back. To college. Connor Stallions. Like, bro, get a life. To the pros. Jaden Ivey, who seems to be a bum. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory.
0: And now here they are. It's It's the the payoff.
1: We welcome you into the payoff on a Friday afternoon. Ben Bosher here, Ben Clevenger in the studio on the board. Just a couple of Ben's hanging out. We're going to have some fun today. I got a fun show planned out for everyone. It's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a rush hour, if you will. We're going to get Pistons, Wings, Michigan, Michigan State, all in the next 50 minutes before we send it out to John, who's covering Heritage vs. Dow. Let's have some fun. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm kind of sick and tired of talking about Connor Stallions. It's been two straight weeks of it. That's basically let our show off. For 10-15 shows straight I'm a little sick of it I'm, I got a little bit of fatigue with Conor Stallions And I imagine everyone else does too I'm sure there'll be more stuff to come out Over the weekend or on Monday And we'll get back to it, I promise Because the, the saga is certainly not over It's far from over But let's just put a pin in it for now Because it's getting repetitive, it's getting old Let's have some fun on a Friday So I promise, I won't say the name Conor Stallions Again, the rest of the show starting right now. But we do have to talk a little bit, a little bit of Michigan football. Minus the allegations. Um, Before we talk about the game versus Purdue that's happening tomorrow, 730 NBC. Let's talk about this meeting that the athletic directors had last night regarding Michigan football. The coaches meeting from Wednesday, they were upset with Tony Petiti, the Big Ten Commissioner. They were yelling at him. They were angry. Whereas the AD meeting yesterday that happened without Michigan Athletic Director Ward Emanuel, the ADs were a little bit more supportive of Tony Petiti. They understood the situation he's in. He just took this job in April, and now he's handling the biggest sports scandal ever. Maybe ever. They were just trying to help him steer the car and push him in the right direction. But there was a quote from the meeting that says, we believe the conference needs to step up. because right now the NCAA can't. And I'll read you another quote. Uh, one of those issues Petiti brought up with the athletic directors was that he couldn't make a decision on Michigan this season based on a whim that he would need to get a set of facts to go off of. Here's what I'll tell you, Michigan fans. That tells me nothing's going to happen to the Wolverines this year. If Tony Petiti is looking for straight facts instead of, you know, basically predicting, not predicting, but, you know, assuming what happened, which is what everyone is doing right now, even though obviously it looks very bad, I don't think there's a way around that. If he's not going to go out of the way unless he gets facts to punish Michigan, that means Michigan's probably going to play in the Big Ten Championship, and if they win that, they'll go to the playoffs. That's the good news. So if you're a Michigan fan, give yourself a little pat on the back, have a glass of wine, because it looks like nothing's going to happen this year. But there's a difference between accepting facts and being a fan. You can't sit here in denial and say, Michigan didn't do anything wrong. Michigan shouldn't be punished. Because let's just face it, they should. But you can still be a fan of this team, and that starts this Saturday versus Purdue. Michigan is a minus point favorite. Purdue is two and six. Listen, this is a chance to kind of shut everyone up. Obviously you're not stealing signs this Saturday or the rest of the season going forward. You're under a microscope. You can't Connor Stallions. Isn't even there. Oh, I said it. I said, his, I said, I wouldn't say his name and I did it uh, anyway. He's not even there. So you're not going to be able to cheat in any way, shape or form. Which brings me to Ryan Walters, first-year head coach for Purdue. He had a quote in a, par- in a press conference uh, earlier this week, and he- he's a little upset with what's going on with the Michigan Wolverines.
0: And, and what's crazy is this, there aren't allegations like it, it happened. You know yep. what I mean? And, and you know, there's video evidence. There's um, ticket purchases and sales that you can track back. And you know, we know for a fact that they were at a number of our games. You know, we've had to teach our guys a new language in terms of um, some signals and, and we will operate differently offensively. Like we might, you might see us in a huddle.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Someone get Purdue a medic. They might have to be in a huddle. Their game plan has changed drastically. Big deal. Like I get it. You're upset. Everyone in the big 10 is upset with what's going on, but what, do, what good does it do to just sit there and complain about it and use that as an excuse as to why you might lose by 32 to Michigan this week? Purdue has lost 23 straight games to Michigan. So whether or not Jim Harbaugh signed stealing or not, it just hasn't mattered in the last two decades. So you can complain, Ryan Walters. I think you should be worried about some other things as the first year head coach at Purdue with a 2-6 and record. should probably think about some other things besides what's going on behind closed doors with the best school in the Big Ten of the last two years. And I get it. Like I said, there's a difference between accepting facts and being a fan. You can still be a fan of Michigan. I'm still rooting for them. And I'm still going to talk crap to my friends. I'm still going to let all the Purdue people in my life know what's up. Because they're not going to be able to do anything about it, whether they're sign-stealing or not. So I'm so sorry, Ryan Walters, that you have to put your team in a huddle on Saturday. Even though there's just simply no way Michigan's going to be doing anything regarding sign stealing. This is going to be a challenge for Jim Harbaugh and the coordinators just as much as it is for Purdue taking on the third best team in the country. You're going to have to do this without sign stealing. Now, the question that I want to throw out to everyone, and you can use the Frick Sports Bar text line, so let me know what you think. Nine eight nine eight three seven six one two five is, do you think Michigan is going to be able to block out the noise surrounding the program against Purdue this weekend? Again, it's a 32 and a half point spread. If I was a Michigan fan, which I am, I wouldn't be worried. Sign stealing, not, it just doesn't matter. They survived just fine without Jim Harbaugh at the beginning of the year when they self-imposed a suspension. That was a big talking point early on. It was, is Michigan going to be able to survive the first three weeks? And sure enough, they did because they didn't play anybody good. It was 30-3 to versus East Carolina. It was 35-7 to years versus UNLV. And it was 31-6 to versus Bowling Green. Purdue's not much better than any of those teams. So to think that Michigan's going to struggle... I mean, maybe they don't cover the 32 and a half, but they still should take care of business. And if they do, say they beat the brakes off this team and win by 40, then what's everyone going to say on Monday? Is everyone going to get back in front of the camera on ESPN and say, well, Michigan should be punished because of what they're doing and the Big Ten needs to step up? Or is everyone going to keep joking about it because without sign stealing this Saturday versus Purdue, they look like the third best team in the country. It's interesting because, you know, you're facing a a very weak team in Purdue. So you can beat the brakes off of them and you roll into Monday and Tuesday's new rankings and all of a sudden it's Michigan's still really good. And then guess who's on the clock after that? Penn State. You do that to Penn State without you-know-who on the sidelines. Well, then what what does this whole thing matter? I get it. There's a punishment coming and looming regardless at the end of the day, and it might go into effect next year. Who knows? But regardless, the NCAA is not going to do anything about it until they are absolutely sure of what they're alleging Michigan of doing because we saw it at the beginning of the season in the summer. They kind of had an idea of what Michigan was doing, so they gave Jim Harbaugh a suspension of four games. Everyone gave him grief about it, that they didn't punish him enough, and they retracted that and kept investigating. They're not going to do that this time around, which tells me they're going to wait until they have all the facts. And that's exactly what the Big Ten is going to do as well. So with that being said, if Michigan can continue to have a successful year, they're going to be just fine. The question is, are you going to be able to do this without Mr. You-Know-Who on the sidelines? And the first test is this weekend. 32 and a half point favorites over two and six Purdue. 23 straight wins over Purdue. This shouldn't be a challenge of any way. Should run through this team. In fact, you should go make a statement if you're Jim Harbaugh. Go put up 40. Again, allow a team to not score 10. Beat the crap out of this team. Make Ryan Walters regret even saying this guy's name. And then it's game week, your first real test of the season, Penn State. We got a lot to get to today. We'll still get Pistons. We'll still get Wings. We'll even work in Michigan State just because I feel bad. We haven't touched on them in a while because there's been nothing to talk about. But I got you guys today. I got everyone covered. And that's it with Michigan. No more Michigan the rest of the day. It's been a little bit repetitive the last couple weeks. I get it, and there's a lot of people that don't care for that school. So we'll put a needle in that. We'll get back to it next week. But until then, if you want to text in 989-837-6125, do you think they can block the outside noise? Text in your Pistons, Wings, Michigan State thoughts. Give me some score predictions. We'll hit it all on the payoff.
0: The Ad Council. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay Region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9.
1: The Mitt Pistons, Wings, Michigan State, we'll get to it all before we send it out to John, who's ready to call the Heritage first Dow game, obviously Dow. Two straight wins over Midland, First, uh, the finale of the regular season. Then again in the playoffs last week. Can they keep it going? We'll find out at 7 o'clock. Until then, let's hit a couple ticket texts and we'll get into some Detroit basketball. Uh, Ryan is sending in a score prediction for the Michigan game. He thinks it's going to be a blowout, a statement from Mr. Harbaugh. He says, 55 to 3. That's ridiculous. That would be uh, quite quite the blowout. And he also says, because the media keeps reporting on unknown sources, word and facts are not evidence. I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time, if you can puzzle some pieces together, start connecting dots, I think we can admit it's just not looking good. Eventually, Michigan, this is going to come back to bite them. Eventually they're going to get caught, but I just don't think it's going to be this season. And that's okay. Let's just enjoy this season. And if they put an asterisk on it, who cares? You can't change the past. Take away those big 10 championships. It doesn't matter because did no one raise those big 10 championship trophies in 2021 and 2022? Or did Michigan do it? The answer is Michigan. Doesn't matter what asterisk is there. Uh, Another text coming in. Michigan will absolutely be able to block out the noise I believe they will play with the chip on their shoulder. Now I'm with you. I think they're going to put out a statement. And then if they beat Penn state in another statement win next Saturday, I don't know what, what on earth they're going to do. Ryan chime in again, innocent until proven guilty. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) They didn't do anything wrong yet. You know, if I murder, if I murder Ben Clevenger in the studio right now, I'm technically innocent until someone proves it guilty. (laughs) But, uh, you know, keep your eyes open tonight, Ben, as I'm, as I'm leaving the studio today. All right, let's switch gears. Detroit basketball. We touched a little bit on it yesterday, but yesterday was even more apparent after the show ended. The Pistons had another game against the C-team Pelicans. They rest Zion and Brandon Ingram, or dealing with injuries. Um, and the Pistons still can't really go do anything against the C version of some of these other teams. And you start to ask, well, who needs to step up? And the answer is obviously Jaden Ivy, but coach Monty Williams doesn't even play him. He's just not playing right now. Yesterday, Killian led the team with 38 minutes. That was mostly because of Thompson had foul trouble. So he was filling in for the three. Oh, Killian Hayes playing the three. That's what we prefer right now, which tells me this is going to be an absolute joke of a season. Cade Cunningham next with 33 minutes. Marcus Sasser, rookie, 23 minutes. Joe Harris, 23 minutes, and then Ivy at 21. The fact that Monty Williams is willing to play Joe Harris over Jaden Ivy pretty much tells me everything I need to know. Marcus Sasser had a nice game yesterday, he went five for six. Five for eight from three-point land. like that, that, That's helping the team. That's why he's playing. Yet Jaden Ivey goes four for six. 12 points. And is just not getting minutes right now. And Monty Williams kind of dropped hints about this before the season started. He, he made it clear in preseason, yeah, Ivy's probably going to come off the bench. And I think a lot of Pistons fans said, okay, I, I, I guess I can get behind this. James Harden came off the bench when he was young and actually in shape and liked playing basketball over in OKC. There's been a lot of good players to come off the bench, a lot of good young players that can still contribute in a lot of ways. What we didn't know is Monty Williams just was kind of going to stop playing Ivy. Why? Well, he did have zero assists and two turnovers. And in those 21 minutes, he had four fouls. That's a problem. And when you look at Marcus Sasser, rookie, tiny real tiny guy, but kind of just a dog and a sniper from behind the arc he scored 19 points five for eight from behind the arc. So what does Jaden Ivy have to do to get back onto the court? That's what I would ask Monty Williams right now. But Monty Williams knows this team better than anyone. I mean, I don't know why the Pistons decided to pay this guy hundred million dollars and make him the highest paid coach of all time, but who cares? It's not our money and it doesn't hit the Pistons salary cap. But he just refuses to play Jaden Ivey. In fact, he basically doubled down on that after the game yesterday when he spoke on Marcus Sasser. Here's the quote. This is in the post-game press conference. He spaces the right way when he's off the ball. He's not afraid to take big shots. Defensively, he just battles. He's starting to look like a good compliment to Kane and Killian. Those three guys played really well tonight. What more do you need to hear to just know that Monty Williams has given up on Jaden Ivey this early into the season? It's only been six games, but if you're going to say stuff like that, that's just a blatant shot at Ivey. And I don't know about you guys. I, I think Monty Williams is a pretty good coach based on what he's done in his past. Pelicans, Suns, brought that Suns team to the, to the finals. If Monty Williams doesn't believe in him, why should I? 989 I I just am running out of reasons to buy any stock in Jaden and Ivy. And it's at an all-time low right now. Even before the draft, we thought Jaden Ivy, I mean, I wasn't a big Ivy guy in draft night by any means, but I was glad he fell to us at five. That was the consensus. It was, I can't believe the Kings passed on him. That's now looking like the smartest thing the Kings have done in the last ever. We end up with Ivy, and he plays the whole season basically last year without Cade Cunningham. Played 12 games together, but that was Ivy's first 12 games of his NBA career. Barely even counts. Ivy continued to get better down the end of the season, but he had the ball in his hands the whole time. He was driving the car. The car wasn't going anywhere. It was hitting the bumpers. The Pistons ended up with 17 wins, so that tells you what you need to know about Ivy running the team, but he didn't have any help by any means. It's not like you can be like, well, Ivy's the reason we didn't have 30 wins. No, that's too much pressure on him in the first place. But then all summer long, it's, oh, just wait until it's Cade and Ivy together. That's the backcourt of the future. Well, now there's three guys Monty Williams would rather have as the backcourt of the future instead of Jaden and Ivy, and one of them is Killian Hayes. Who is the Jamison Williams of this team? Who is the Javi Baez of this team? No one likes Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes is useless. He, Ben's laughing in the studio, but he knows I'm right. He just goes out there and does cardio. And he had a fine game yesterday. Like he he was fine, but he's had a really tough season up until yesterday. Killian's usage rate is only. which means he's just running up and down the floor. He's not—he's a guard, but he's barely has the ball in his hand. Ivy's usage rate is 17. At least when Ivy's in, he's touching the ball. But Monty Williams just doesn't want any of that. Sasser's usage rate is 19. And obviously, Cade leads the way with the guards with 36. So if Monty Williams has just decided, I'm done with Jaden Ivy, only in his second year, Why should I believe in this guy? Because it's not like Jaden Ivey's, oh, he's going to be our sixth man. He's going to come off the bench and kind of run the second unit. Nope. He's getting like the eighth most minutes on the team right now. Alec Burks is getting more than him. Marvin Bagley, I guess it's unfair to compare the the big men, but Bagley's getting more than him. Burks, Killian, Sasser. If Killian Hayes is getting more minutes than Ivey, doesn't that tell you basically everything you need to know? Like, we, we can sit here and say, why is Ivy not playing anymore? Why is Monty Williams not giving him a chance? But if the guy that everyone despises, the guy that everyone is ready to drive a limo to his house and take him to the airport and fly him back to France, if that guy's playing more than Jaden Ivy, I don't know if I can come up with a logical explanation as to why, besides, he's just not that good. Like I said, he was fine last year, but even in summer league, I know not everyone watches summer league, but I have nothing better to do. Asar Thompson was just better than Jayden and Ivy. Durin was obviously better than Ivy. Ivy plays a little out of control. Ivy doesn't feel like he's real connected with the team. Not a lot of chemistry. I'm not saying like they don't get along off the court. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's not a lot of cohesion. You see it with Asar Thompson, the other rookie. Him and Cade, they're playing like they're reading each other's minds with these backdoor cuts and these coming off screens. But with Ivy, it's like, uh, what do you do besides drive to the rim out of control and occasionally shoot a three? And he, he's a good three-point shooter. Like, don't get me wrong. But they'd rather have Joe Harris be a good three-point shooter out there and literally provide nothing else to the team, no cutting, no... Driving to the rim, no defense. They'd rather have that guy than Ivy. They choose slow, old Joe Harris over athletic and young Ivy. Hmm. I guess I'm out on Ivy. Like, that, that's the point I'm at. Is that overreaction? 989 837 6125. I get it. We're only six games into the season, but I'm at the point where. I'm sorry. This team has been so bad for so long. In 15 years, they've had one season where they've had an above 500 record. I'm done being patient. I'm done. I want Troy Weaver gone. I want a GM who actually wants to compete now. Instead of putting together these ridiculous lineups, and this isn't on Monty Williams by any means. It's more so on the construction of the roster. But Killian Hayes playing the three? Oh. Well, if it doesn't work as the one, and it doesn't work as the two, let's just play him at the three and see what happens. Guess what? Not going to work. So, I, yes, maybe it is an overreaction, but I have no patience with this organization, with this team at this point. Sasser's now stealing Ivy's minutes. Killian is somehow the backup three for the time being while Boyan's out. And that's the other thing. Monte Morris is still out. He hasn't played yet. You really think Monte Morris is not going to get more minutes than Jaden Ivy Boyan Bogdanovic, Bogdanovich hurt right now. He also needs more minutes. He's going to need a lot of minutes. So you take that in consideration. Where is Ivy getting minutes from? How is he even going to get on the court? It's not like he's the sixth man. It's not like he's going to be the seventh man. Once Monte Morris and Boyan Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich come back, Ivy is buried. Ivy might not even play. I'm not saying like zero minutes, but like less than 10 is on the table right now when you look at who still needs to come back and get minutes. Monte Morris is going to steal a lot of minutes from Killian, I hope and pray. I think all of us hope and pray. So I guess the question comes up. Come the trade deadline. Who's not on the table? And I know that's so far away. We're six games into the season. I bet a lot of you are screaming, Ben, relax. But I just don't see a future or any sort of path where Jaden Ivey is a core member of, uh, of the core. I don't, I don't see a path for him to be a core part of this team. Right now, to me, it's Cade. Right now, to me, it's Durin. Right now, to me, it's Asar. And sure, throw in Sasser, I, I guess. But... Killian Hayes is not part of the future. That's very clear. That's been clear for four years. If they extend this guy, I might have to choose to root for a different NBA team. And Jaden Ivey in year two, just kind of been worked out of the rotation completely. So I'm good on both those guys and they're expendable to me, especially with Killian being an expiring. Not that he's making any money regardless, but someone will pick him up. I assume he's an okay defender. I guess he can play the three. Hey everyone. You guys want a guy who can play one through three and this explosive young guard with untapped potential. Sure. Give us a first round pick nine, eight, nine, eight, three, seven, six, one, two, five. We've got one coming in, uh, regarding Jaden Ivy. It must be the haircut. (laughs) He also says, uh, also leave your name. I want, I want to give everyone a shout out. He also says, I watched a lot of Ivy at Purdue and was glad they picked him at the time. Don't know what's up this season. Maybe it's the new hair. Didn't even recognize him when he was on the court for the first time. Yeah, he used to have the, the long hair. Uh, cut that off in the summer. Showed up to summer league with uh, the hair. But that's, that's irrelevant. I don't think that has anything to do with Actually, I know that has nothing to do with him um, playing. But love the text. Appreciate it. Keep them rolling in on the Frick Sports Bar. Text line 989-837-6125. Michigan State. And the wings still to come before we send that out to John for heritage. First out, you're listening to the payoff fueled by forward energy.
0: More of the great lakes. Bay region's only local sports show back to the payoff.
1: All right, let's get to some red wings. But before we do that, let's, let's look at one more ticket. Uh, let, let's let look at one more message from Mike who says Ivy will join a list of Pistons picks who will go somewhere else and become a star, mark my word. Y- you might be right. You might be right. Someone might unlock him because, I mean, a lot of people think, thought he was a, a pretty highly regarded uh, scouted player coming out of Purdue. So we'll see. It's, it's tough to look at what's happened last year and this year so far and say that with confidence, at least for me. Because that athleticism just really hasn't transferred to an effective way on the court. I saw him miss a 1-0 dunk earlier this week. Where you have all these athletic guards in the league now. I mean, you look at the Blazers with what they roll out every night. Ivy's athleticism, it just hasn't seemed to transfer. So he needs to be a lights-out shooter if if he wants to stick around in this league. Um, Let's switch over to football. It is Friday, after all. And the Michigan State Spartans are, in fact, in action tomorrow. Guys, I, I have some bad news for you, Michigan State fans. I'm not going to sit here and just bash the team the whole time. I promise. But you are on the verge of making history, and it's not in a good way. I started to look at, okay, who's left on Michigan State schedule? Because they still are not without a big, they still are without a Big Ten win. Um okay, so you've got Nebraska. Maybe. You're at Ohio State? Absolutely not. You're at Indiana, maybe. And then you're at, uh, uh, against Penn State in Fort Field. Okay, so you're not beating Ohio State. You're not beating Penn State. It, it won't even be close. That gives you two other chances to potentially win a Big Ten game this year. So I went back and started to look. When was the last time Michigan State didn't win a Big Ten team, a uh, Big Ten game? Because you're not favorites against Nebraska. And I don't know if you'll be favorites at Indiana. The last time Michigan State didn't win a Big Ten game was 1958. 1950, it's been a long time. And I understand everyone is well aware of how bad Michigan State is, but this is an all-time low. This is your second best chance to get a win. It's got to be desperate. It's got to be urgent against Nebraska this week, who's five and three, They've got Big Ten wins over Illinois, Purdue, and Northwestern. is not a world beater by any means or any stretch of the imagination. But they've got three more Big Ten wins in Michigan State, so to call them a joke would be crazy. Because right now, you just got to look yourself in the mirror the same way Michigan fans have to look themselves in the mirror and say, yeah, Jim Harbaugh might have not, might have might, effed up, might not be perfect. Same way Michigan fans got to accept that Michigan State fans got to look themselves in the mirror and accept the fact that they're the laughing stock of the Big Ten right now. They're a joke. And I hate to say it because it's more fun when Michigan State's not. It's more fun doing radio. It's more fun talking to buddies when Michigan and Michigan State are both great teams. When they faced off when they were both top 10, that was fun. It's not fun going into the game with it being a 40-point spread, and you know it's over from the beginning. Michigan State has scored the fewest touchdowns in the Big Ten. So I ask everyone, what's the best case and the worst case scenario here? Because obviously the worst case scenario is you go defeated in the Big Ten. You don't win a Big Ten game, and your only wins come from Central Michigan and Richmond. Here's the thing, guys. If you do that, you're not getting Urban Meyer. You can hope. You can pray. You can even flush an ice cube down the toilet. He's not coming if you go 2-10. and ten. Michigan State's not a bottom feeder of college football. They're not an elitist. But they're certainly not a bottom feeder of the last 25 years. They're a good program. They're a good program. I think that's a way to put it. But you don't get to have two wins and not win a Big Ten team and then say, you know what? We're going to hire Urban Meyers because this is just not going to happen. And it's not because Urban Meyer has a bad reputation and you don't want to tarnish Michigan State's reputation. It's because Urban Meyer doesn't want to tarnish his own reputation. Urban Meyer is the third highest winning percentage coach in the history of college football. So to think that he'll just come to Michigan State and potentially ruin that part of his legacy, that's crazy talk. Urban Meyer isn't going anywhere unless he knows he can win immediately. And I know Michigan State has these nice football facilities, this brand new stuff donated by Matt Ishbia. I know Michigan State would get every single transfer possible if Urban Meyer was the head coach. And with how good of a recruiter he is, the fact that he was a top-five recruiting class every year he was at Ohio State, except one, and even in that year he was still top 10, Michigan State would turn around, eventually. But there's other places Urban Meyer could go and win now. Like Texas A&M, for example. Jimbo Fisher's been at Texas A&M for six years, and they have yet to have a season with 10 wins. And they're only 5-3 this year, with the second-most five-star recruits in the SEC, only behind Alabama. So... To think that Jimbo is going to still have a job come February? I'd be surprised. That's probably where Urban Myers is going to go. And you can hand him as much money as you possibly want. You know what that guy likes probably more than money? In fact, I can almost guarantee you likes more than money? Winning. That is <laughs> Ben Clevenger's mouthing some things to me right now that I cannot repeat on, on air. Um, he likes winning. He is the most competitive freak ever. You guys saw the the Florida documentary, Swamp Kings or whatever. This guy wants to win. He's a freak about it. He obsesses over it. And if he can't win at Michigan State, which he cannot in season one, they'll improve, but you can't win in season one. Four new teams coming from the Pac-12. All will be better than Michigan State. You're starting below zero. He will not tarnish his legacy by going there and losing five, six games. But what you could do is go to Texas A&M, who's coming off a season where they have the number one recruiting class in all of college football. You could absorb that. (laughs) I know Michigan State uh, is building a $78 million facility right now. That's just normal stuff in the SEC. Hell, Texas A&M athletes pocketed $8.6 million from NIL this year. This year. Imagine Urban Meyer, the master recruiter, the most competitive guy ever, absorbing that program. The most five-star recruits, the number one recruiting class in college football with some of the most NIL money out there. He's going to be able to get everybody he wants. So I'm sorry, Michigan State fans. I know it was a dream for a little bit for some of you to get this guy. You just you just have to win a couple Big Ten teams for, or games for that to even be plausible at this point. I hate to burst your bubble, but if you don't win a Big Ten game this year, I don't know how many coaches are lining up to be your next head coach. Let's hit the ticket. Uh, let's hit uh, the text line. And then we'll move on and get some wings Um, pursues coaches is talking about change in his game. Oh, typo there. Purdue's coach is talking about a change in his game plan because of the alleged acts as if Purdue is playing for a big 10 title. These teams know they can beat Michigan. So they keep piling these allegations. No, they can't beat Michigan. So they keep piling on these allegations. So they don't have to play Michigan. Michigan will use this as motivation to destroy the last four teams because day started these allegations, I have a feeling machine is going to beat the Buckeyes by a plus thirty margin. Mark my word, oh my God, if they do that, wow, kudos to Jim Harwell. He might be the greatest human being on the planet. uh he sends in another text. Leave your name. I'll give you a shout out day. Day knows he can't beat Michigan, so he started these allegations to save his own job so he can use the alleged sign stealing as the reason Michigan wins games. These accusers in the Big Ten are cowards. Uh, Well, if you think Day is going after Michigan to save his job, do you think Jim Harbaugh started stealing signs because he was about to lose his job? Because Jim Harbaugh hadn't beaten Ohio State in his entire career and then starts beating Ohio State as soon as the sign stealing allegation started again. This is coming from someone who likes Michigan. I root for them. I'm rooting for them on Saturday. I hope they beat the living breaks off of Ohio state, but some point you got to accept the fact this is, this is not looking good. And I don't think Jim Harbaugh squeaky clean. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, hit the wings and then we'll send it to the high school football expert. John Vicari, getting ready for heritage. First Dow. you're listening to the payoff fueled by forward energy
0: more from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports sports radio, 100.9, the MITt.
1: All right, we're closing out the show. We ran out of a little bit of time. I wanted to hit the wings a little harder, but you guys kept rolling in the MIT messages on the text line. So thank you to that. I'll read a couple more. Give you my thoughts on the wings. We'll send it to John. Uh, my name is Dwayne. This is the same guy who's texting in about Michigan um, who thinks Jim Harbaugh didn't do anything wrong. This is uh, My name is Dwayne, and I don't have evidence to all this, but it's funny how the closer Michigan gets to playing the Buckeyes, these allegations started. Like Coach Harbaugh said, those teams hate to see us successful, so they have to go through these measures. I think Michigan will use this as motivation. Sure hope they use this as motivation. Otherwise, they <laughs> – I don't know. They're, they're going to get stomped. I mean, the, the, one, the one game we saw that Michigan wasn't allowed to use sign stealing um, last season – against TCU when TCU was holding up dummy signs because everyone in the Big Ten gave him a heads up. TCU hung 51. No one had put up 25 versus Michigan all season long. Dwayne also says, I wish we had Isaiah Thomas as the Detroit. Well, yeah, no, no duh, I wish we had Isaiah Thomas. He's a Hall of Famer. I wish we had Isaiah Thomas as the Detroit Pistons guard, guard's coach to work with Ivy. Oh, as the Detroit Pistons guard coach to work with Ivy. I apologize there. Uh, as the Detroit Pistons guard coach to work with Ivy because Ivy has the athletic ability, but he is so out of control each time he goes to the basket, misses easy layups and even dunks sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you, Dwayne. I mean, that'd be nice to have a Hall of Fame coach, uh, a Hall of Fame player as assistant coach on this team. But, I mean, Isaiah Thomas has tried the whole GM thing. That didn't work. Maybe he'll try coaching. But I don't, I don't think he'd take a job less than a head coaching job. Our guy, Chauncey Billups, he's a head coach out in Portland, and everyone seems to just hate him out there. So there's that. Uh, quick thoughts on the wings really quick. Started the season five and one. One three and one since then. It's been tough. Kind of a reality check. Shut out for the first time yesterday versus Florida. And you've got a tough stretch coming up at Boston this Saturday. They're number one in the East. Rangers, first place team as well on Tuesday, and then Montreal, who's... Just one point behind the wings. This is going to be a tough stretch for the wings. So, yeah, obviously the numbers came down. They started just so hot, out blazing out of the gate. We knew they were going to come down. We probably knew they weren't the best team in the NHL. And that wasn't going to last for super long. Their power play wasn't going to sit at 50% all season. It's dropped to 6, just 28%. They're still fine. Let's not change the goals of the season, though. We've seen this team play at an extremely high level, extremely high level to start the year. It's tailed off, but we know they're capable of it. So I'm not changing any of my expectations. I get there in a rough stretch, but I still think this is a team capable of making the playoffs. And when you have as hot as a start as you did to this season, as the Red Wings do, anything besides the playoffs would be a disappointment. I get it. It was just five games. They were so good. They're capable of it. This team is going to have some down stretches. They're going to have some up stretches. Just a matter of, can you stay consistent? I think we're still yet to see what the wings truly are because they started out hot. Next five games were eh, pretty pretty uninspiring. And now you got to balance it out. We got to see where this team goes from here. Okay, I could give you a high school football preview for Heritage versus Dow, but why not send it to the expert, John Vacari, who's on the site. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope the payoff was worth it.